Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to the Heart of Grace podcast. I'm your host, Therese Mary. In this podcast, we're here to explore all things Catholic, having heart-to-heart conversations infused with grace. I'll be having an array of special guests, including friends, family, professionals, and even our much-loved religious. We hope that this podcast fills your heart with grace. God bless, and let God do the rest. Stay tuned. So, um, welcome back to the podcast. Um, thanks for tuning in to Heart of Grace. Um, I'm joined by my wonderful guest, um, Sister Bernadette Tui. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no worries. It's lovely to be here with you, Therese. Um, so, Sister Bernadette is from the community Disciples of Jesus. Um, and she is a prominent leader in their community. She's come to Adelaide quite a few times, most recently for um, Fire Weekend, which was a massive young adults um, event that was meant to inspire like evangelization and featured amazing talks. Um, we had a wonderful band play there um, and it was just fantastic. We had about 200 young people come. So thank you so much for everything that you do, Ferna. Yeah, that's great. It was a really good event, wasn't it, Therese? And just we called it the Fire Weekend and we were just really hoping it would set Adelaide on fire. And I think it really did after a couple of years where people maybe haven't been able to come together. So, yeah, it was really beautiful to share that event with you and with so many other people from around the place. Mm, it was such an answer to prayer, like um, seeing everyone congregate together and like, I remember going to Melbourne summer schools and we were in that room like praying over Adelaide and there was um, like a prophetic word that was made saying like Adelaide is really going to um, take off and the fire is going to be ignited. And I think I saw that the answer to that prayer um, happen before my very eyes um, over the weekend, even though I couldn't be there the whole time. Um, It was just amazing, like the experiences that I've heard and the stories that people have shared was just, wow, mind, mind blowing. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And because people often will say to me, oh, we feel like Adelaide's really dry spiritually or it's very difficult. Um, You know, maybe I feel like we're saturated potentially in Sydney and places like Melbourne. Um, But I feel like there's a real opportunity in Adelaide. And even if you think about constructing a fire when there's dry leaves, like that's the perfect conditions for a fire really, because there's, it's like there's a hunger there and there's a real need. And I love ministering into that. And um, yeah. And I think like it was a prayer soaked event. I'm sure you're in your absence. I felt like you were interceding for us as well. Um, But I just felt like there's a hunger, like, and that's the real advantage I see of ministering in places where um you know people are really grateful for every ministry that's offered um because there's um yeah maybe there aren't as many opportunities and so people then are really supportive when when something comes along so yeah I loved ministering in the midst of that and um yeah it was a real privilege to do that in the midst of our community of disciples of Jesus it was a real blessing yeah and it comes so full circle because you were born and raised in Adelaide, right? Rural South Australia? Yeah, I was born, yeah, I was raised in Adelaide. Yeah, I've got a heart for rural South Australia because my um, 
conversion happened at a World Youth Day and the World Youth Day was the young people of Adelaide and combined with the young people of Port Pirie. But it was actually a priest from the Port Pirie Diocese that first really spoke into my situation and um, really challenged me in my faith and that was a way that kind of um, prompted my conversion. So just before the fire weekend, we'd been ministering in rural South Australia for two weeks. So I had a team that um, travelled by road through Port Pirie Diocese and then we kind of culminated it back in Adelaide with the fire weekend. So that's where I feel really comfortable and have a real heart for Adelaide because I know what it was like to grow up in the church there and um, I always felt quite supported. I was in a youth group and I went to World Youth Day so I had some great friends from World Youth Day. Um, but then I think when I went to that deeper level, I first um, went to a Disciples of Jesus event in 20. 2009 I think it was it was a light to the nation's Easter pilgrimage and then in 2011 I went to a summer school and um, they're both charismatic events youth events and I just felt like wow I've never seen anything quite like this before in Australia and so it gave me that real sense of like oh gosh there's so much more and um, yeah being able to bring a piece of that back to Adelaide I think has been really exciting to do that through fire weekends and we ran summer sessions in 2021 which was like a little mini summer school so um yeah it's been nice just to bring a part of that into the context in which I grew up um because I still obviously have a real heart for South Australia in that way. Isn't that wonderful like it's so special to have you um in Adelaide and like you said that's where your that's where your heart is and um ministering to the next generation that's that's coming up um, and I guess like working together as a team is just so important um, and everyone bringing their own life experiences together no matter like what age you are and what background you're from and where you live um, it's a very like uniting sort of way to um, to live really with everyone yeah that's it and I just feel like when we're sharing the grace of disciples of Jesus like it's not just a youth ministry like and I think that there's something underneath that that I feel like is really special so we're from a community that's a lay ecclesial community and it's intergenerational so that when you you know you see the out um, outward working of that in youth ministries predominantly because we have a real heart for the young but then what's behind that is intergenerational kind of support and so um, I feel like that's something that's really special and how I've come through the church like obviously we're all nurtured by our parishes as well but the lay ecclesial communities have been a real powerhouse and really added something special I think to the church Um, and so yeah so that's where our order has come out of so first and foremost like you said I'm a disciples of Jesus member and then from that context um, the missionaries of God's love have come out of that so I'm a sister within the MGL and we have priests and brothers um, but the whole umbrella kind of ministry is disciples of Jesus and so we minister um, with the states of life alongside one another. So like on that weekend, we had Tim and Lara Kirk, married couple from Canberra. Um, Tony and Esma are the leaders in Adelaide, um, single people, priests, brothers, sisters. Um, and so I think, yeah, there's something really special about seeing the church kind of moving with all the states of life together Um, and it's not just a youth ministry in isolation, um, that if someone's touched by summer school or 
um, you know, reaches, you know, it feels like they've been really reached out to through the ministry, they can join and become a lifelong member of the community if they're called to do that. Or otherwise, we know that we bless a lot of people and they go into their parish or their community or their marriage or their situation really blessed by, um, you know, that encounter that they've been able to have of God's love. Thank you so much for that. That's that's an amazing summary of, yeah, like the heart of your mission and, and why you do what you do. So um, I thought I would just introduce the topic a little bit and then um, maybe um, say a short prayer. Um, so the topic for um, today is the grace of femininity with an emphasis on the bride of Christ. Um, so I'm really excited for... Um, you to sort of speak into that um today Verna um but if you could please start with a prayer that would be awesome yeah that sounds great so in the name of the father the son the holy spirit amen so lord jesus we just give you um this time today just really thank you lord for um for Therese and the gift of this podcast and for all those that will be listening to this today and we particularly pray over the gift of our femininity pray over um, that call that we have to live um, as daughters of the Lord and just really pray for our conversation as well and the way that we'll speak into specifically what it means to be a bride of Christ in um, consecrated life, in religious life, but that each one of us ultimately is um, called for spousal union with the Lord, that each one of us is called into a deep intimate union um, with Jesus no matter what state of life we choose so just really pray over each one that's listening to this we pray over any of the areas where we struggle in our femininity any of the areas where we struggle in the call to really lay down our life um, for the sake of the kingdom just also pray for those who are discerning their vocation be it um, feeling called to marriage or called to um, consecrated life whatever that calling is within us, we just really pray and um, really bless it this day, Lord, and we just really ask for your blessing to be with myself and Therese and all those listening. Um, We might just offer this time up to the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Verna. That was a beautiful prayer. So, launching into it, I guess, um, what would you define as femininity and what what does it mean to be a bride of Christ? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I think... um, I'll start with the the positives, I guess, because oh, actually, I think when I come to femininity, I feel like um, I don't know. It's kind of natural to look at some of the ways that we struggle, maybe as women, or um, where um, our femininity is maybe not valued, or that kind of thing. Like, I feel like we're in an era um, of a bit of a reckoning around femininity. You know, like women are saying we are equal, we are equal and complementary, and our our church has said that from the very beginning. Um, but I guess, I don't know, I think sometimes that there are struggles, um, you know, uh, within our femininity where maybe there's a, a 
preconception that we're the weaker sex or that, um, you know, I, I suppose across the ages we have seen women um, discriminated against and maybe not not valued. Um, but I guess the message, of the, the flip side of that, I feel like for us as, as a church um, and something that I've been reflecting on a lot lately is um, the strength that we see and um, this might not relate to everybody, but for me just that image of Mother Mary as the new Eve has been something that I draw a lot of strength from. Um, and like recently I was presenting to a group of um, catechists, I'm in the Wollongong Diocese here and I did some training for them and we were looking at the fall and um, sometimes people, you know, think, oh, Eve ate the apple and we're here today and we can reflect on sort of the the weakness and sinfulness of, of Eve in that. But what I loved presenting on was just in um, Genesis 3.15. It's called the Proto-Evangelium. And it says that right from that very moment, we might not think, have known this, but right from that very you know first book of the Bible, it's already foretold that... Um, it's foretold that the saviour will come and it's foretold that the saviour will come through a woman and that her offspring um, will be in a battle with the snake, with the evil one, but ultimately that her offspring will conquer. And that's where we have that image of Mary with the snake under her foot, you know, and it says that he will strike your heel, but you will strike his head. And that's the ultimate fatal blow. And I feel like, gosh, like the saviour of our world came through, came through a woman and came through her yes you know, and we'd like to believe that um, that the spirit doesn't ever force um, himself upon anyone. And so when when that angel came with that message to Mother Mary that she was given that opportunity to say yes, and we know that she did that really freely. And so I feel like that um, that she's the new Eve, just as Jesus is the new Adam, who um, has undone the, the disobedience of Adam, has been completely undone in the person of Jesus and in his victory on the cross. But that that wasn't possible without that without Mary's yes, that they're sort of two sides of the same coin, Mary as the new Eve. So I think if that's our kind of prototype, if that's our, our model of femininity, it opens up incredible things for us like, yeah, Mother Mary's obedience, um, her strength and her fortitude, her faithfulness to God. You know, her and Joseph were on the run for the first, uh, you know, like for the first weeks, if not years of, of Jesus' life. And she had to protect him um, from from that. And she mothered him. You know, a lot of women listening to this might be or might be called to be mothers who who look after their infant and protect their infant really fiercely um, and tenderly. And I feel like Mother Mary is all of that um, for us. And as a church, we say that she um, she models married life and motherhood. But in a sense, she also is able to marry the state of life that, that I've been called to and that I've chosen of consecrated life because we um, we celebrate her virginity as well. And we know that when she conceived that she, um, you know, we know that she conceived of God, not of Joseph. And um, and so that consecrated women can have an affinity with Mother Mary, but so can women who are called to to motherhood, and um, and I would say single women as well can can have an affinity with Mother Mary because um, of her of her virginity, and um, yeah, that she's someone that that all of us can relate to, and she's not like a weak, wimpy kind of character. Like she, you know, she was the first evangelist. Um, you know, she's the first apostle in a lot of ways, the first one to say yes to the saviour. 
Um, and that's incredible, you know, and as a church that sometimes gets put down for the way that we treat women and for a church that maybe has, um, you know, we, we, we always need to be looking for are we um, are we including the voice of women? Are we including the voice of laymen as well? Um, yeah, are, are we a church that really says that the sexes are equal and complementary? I just feel like, yeah, she's a pretty awesome model and there's many saints that have gone after her with similar qualities. But what a great starting point, I'd say, for for our femininity. So I'd say if we're looking to an image of what femininity means to me, um, then I would say that it's those qualities of Mother Mary um, that, that were really there, those qualities of joy, those qualities of receptivity, those qualities of, of obedience, of strength and of fortitude, of praise of God as well. Um, there's just some of the really beautiful qualities of Mother Mary that I feel like is a model for us as um, as women who are called by God um, to be his disciples. That's lovely. Thank you. Um, I particularly love how you draw upon like the strength of femininity and I think that really speaks to me. Like um, women are so often um, being put down and oh, you're just this or you're just that. Um, but if we look to Mary, she was not just anything. She was um, the mother of our Lord. And like you said, she mothered mothers us in each of our vocations. Um, and women have such a special calling in that sense, I guess. Um, how can we grow in those virtues that that you mentioned of like of joy and receptivity um yeah can you speak into that a little bit maybe yeah I love that so I feel like the the ultimate moment that we look at for mother Mary is that moment when she was able to say yes and um to you know to conceiving the son of God within her womb and I was lucky enough as a um all of the MGL sisters but when we take our perpetual vows so I took my perpetual vows um about 18 months ago and prior just prior to that I went on a 30-day Ignatian retreat at Seven Hill in South Australia so as part of that retreat you pray every day multiple times a day um with scripture and you actually immerse yourself right in the scripture. And so one of the scriptures that I was able to pray with was of the Annunciation, which is where the angel appears to Mary and, um, you know, says to her, highly favoured one, you know, you're to conceive the son of God, you know, paraphrasing. Um, and I imagined, well, what was Mary doing before the angel came and what was her character before? And we know she was quite young, but she was a faithful Jewish woman and so I imagined her to be someone who is very obedient, very um, docile to the Holy Spirit, like that when the Holy Spirit said, do this, she would really listen and do that, that she was someone that honoured her parents um, because they were obviously the ones that she was supposed to be obedient to. So when I imagined her, I imagined her, you know, just really faithfully like sweeping the house or doing whatever she was called to do with faithfulness, with obedience and, um, and with that surrendered kind of heart. So I feel like for us as women, um, I feel like that's the bedrock of any state of life of the Christian life is um, as far as possible to be wide open and available to God with our life. Um, 
you know, that oftentimes where where a lot of us will sin is when we want to take control of the reins or we'll, we'll say, I know better. And that was the sin of Eve really was to say, I, I, I want to be like God. I want, I, you know, I, I want to know better than God or, I, I, you know, I know better than God. And so I feel like Mother Mary's um, holiness came from the opposite where she said, I'm surrendered. I'm just the handmaid of the Lord and I will follow, you know, I'll follow God. So I feel like that that's kind of the the bedrock of it all and um, and that where that really comes from is, is prayer, um, but also following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, um, never denying a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Obviously that's a big call, but I guess we need to come back to that and where we find ourselves unhappy or we find ourselves in sin or we find ourselves feeling dissatisfied um, with our situation, I feel like it's coming back to, well, what is God asking of me in this situation? And often often it's just that faithfulness, that trust, that surrender to God, that maybe we're unhappy at work because we feel like we're not being honoured or valued um, when really, you know, we just know that we only really have to be honoured and valued by God, if that makes sense. So just kind of coming back to that Marian heart of praise, of humility, and of total surrender to God that really in the context of heaven, a lot of the things that we worry about on earth um, don't really matter. You know, what we wear, um, who likes us, all of that, they're very human things and our human hearts, obviously that means a lot to us. But when there's a bigger picture and we think about eternal life, that some of those things really fade into insignificance. And I feel like that was what Mother Mary knew um, and that if we want to be strong, if we want to be steadfast, that that's the the bedrock of um, of where that all um, kind of comes from. That totally surrendered heart, and that only really comes from developing our trust and relationship with God through a life of prayer. I think um, that will definitely strike a chord for many women listening to this, um, and just what you mentioned, like. Um, in according to each woman's vocation, um, there is such a calling that's placed on their heart, um, and there's a prompting of the Holy Spirit that they need to um, listen to and respond to, um, and for it to be ignored is actually that disobedience. Um, and you know we have to look look to Mary um, and to her fiat, um, no matter what no matter what the situation. Um, and our own insecurities that might get in the way, like you said, um, people not liking us um, and it being the harder call. Um, oftentimes women are put in certain situations where, you know, it's not ideal um, and maybe it's difficult to stand up for what is right, what's the truth, um, but we're taking that strength from Mary and looking to her as that model um, of perfect obedience even in those situations and listening to the Holy Spirit. I think that's really important. Um, how can we better listen to the Holy Spirit? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think when I look at um, look at Mother Mary, I just think, wow, she must have had great, great years <laughs> to know, like, go, you know, listen to that angel, like that discernment that her and Joseph had, um, you know, was 
um, was pretty amazing. So I feel like um, some of the things that I've learned over the years, like obviously through a life of prayer that we develop that capacity to hear the Holy Spirit. Um, I think I've also really appreciated particularly Ignatian prayer that um, St. Ignatius gives us the rules for discernment. And that's worth, you know, if, if people are serious about their prayer life, it's really worth looking into them. Um, for example, something that I've really learned from St. Ignatius is, um, I suppose, through the examine at the end of the day, really looking back over the day. And sometimes in the moment, you weren't able to see um, where the Holy Spirit was moving. But when you've got the hindsight, the benefit of hindsight, you're often able to see, no, no, that was the Spirit. And and St. Ignatius kind of teaches that you can often, you can, I don't think this is particularly what he says, but a way that we would understand it is that you can judge the tree by its fruits. So say, for example, I was given a particular situation in my day, a bit of a fork in the road, and I chose one outcome and I can see that it didn't lead to um, a fruitful kind of outcome. Like maybe I got distracted on my phone and, and you know, maybe I was right in the middle of doing some amazing work and really flourishing and then I got, you know, noticed a, a notification on my phone and that then I noticed that, well, that actually distracted me for 30 minutes or an hour, you know, like that I suddenly got drawn into a distraction and that maybe I noticed within me that I got really then restless or that when someone distracted me or said hey can you help with this I said no no I'm busy really all I was busy with was on my phone like this is just a kind of a fake scenario but I'm sure you can understand that then in hindsight you can think well where did that come from and really where that started from was that decision to to give in to that distraction um, and that that sent me in a bit of a spiral and so I feel like that's where some Ignatian discernment can really help like he says that you can tell if it's the voice of the evil one often by the tail um, so that you look at you that whole you let that whole situation kind of play play out then you review it and you say well where did it end me up you know did it lead me to faith hope and love or did it leave me to feeling restless and and unsatisfied and that was Ignatius's own experience he, he came up with these um, rules for discernment and the spiritual exercises because he was lying in a hospital bed and he was reading the lives of the saints and he was reading about the life of Christ and it made him feel amazing. It made him feel so satisfied, like a really good meal, like eating steak, you know, satisfied him or something with protein if you're a vegetarian. Um, whereas then he was also reading worldly books and books about people and princes of valour and he just found that it left him wanting more and more and more. And I think we can understand that, you know, a lot of us struggle with um, with social media or with um, Netflix binging or those sorts of things. And we just know it makes us feel a bit yuck at the end. The tale of it, the effect of it is it makes us feel a bit yuck. So I feel like that those kind of rules for discernment can be really helpful. And that daily or regular kind of process of examine can really help with that. And obviously that means taking time aside to really listen to, you know, where the, where the Spirit's moving in our life. So they're just some examples. So prayer, Ignatian discernment, um, and just fostering, I suppose, fostering stillness and silence so that you can really feel and really listen to the Spirit's movement. You might not have noticed that you were very tired. You might not have noticed that you were holding anxiousness you might not have noticed that actually I felt really joyful when when that thing happened today, but we often are so busy that we don't notice the movement of the Holy Spirit. So slowing down and having that stillness and silence in our prayer and, um, yeah, equipping ourselves with some good tools for discernment, 
I think can really help us to um, to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I think the final part too is that they say that um, the more we move with the movements of the Holy Spirit, the more that we'll be able to listen so that if I'm continually denying the Holy Spirit, not following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that's actually going to blunt my senses to the Spirit. Whereas moving with the, the, the Holy Spirit is going to further attune my senses to the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, I think there's some ways that I would say um, we can be have that heart of Mother Mary. We can have that really receptive heart that we saw in a lot of the saints um, and be able to listen to the Spirit. Lovely. Those are really practical strategies, I think, as well, that um, people will be able to relate to. And I think certainly for myself with social media and Netflix binging, um, that will come in handy. I'll, I think I've I've done some research into Ignatian spirituality, but I really need to take it on board and I think embody it a lot more into my own prayer life. Um, and yeah, I think it opens up the avenues for really... Um, seeing your prayer life as a dynamic journey like with the Lord instead of just like a very structured sort of um, approach or a mixture of both Um, that's something I've been working to grow into recently so thank you for that Um, I know for women identity um, is a really big struggle for us Um, identity in our femininity identity in um, vocation and um, the practical ways that that plays out in our lives um, what can you say um, that might help women who are struggling with um, like insecurities and um, yeah lo- looking to the world I guess for that validation instead of looking um, to Mother Mary and to our Lord as models yeah, that's a great question. Like, and I think as you were saying that word identity, like I just feel like um, there's, you know, I have this great conviction um, for women that our and men too, that our identity is ultimately found in Christ. Like that it's a fact that one day we will all die and, um, you know, God willing, we'll be drawn into that perfect unity with the Holy Trinity. Like that's the ultimate purpose of our life. Um, and that's what the catechism says as well. But really been praying with that lately, that that's our ultimate end, that we say that's the ultimate um, end of God's God's whole plan is for us to be drawn into the perfect unity with Father, Son and Spirit, with the Holy Trinity. And we would call that, you know, in the life of heaven, you know, to, to reach heaven and to be surrounded by the Trinity in that way. That's our ultimate kind of end. But even now we're called to dwell in that place, like we read in John's Gospel, um, if someone loves me, um, he will make his home in me, kind of says the Lord, like that our hearts will be a really receptive home for the Holy Spirit so that there's something of heaven available for us here and now, like that that relationship, that unity with the Holy Trinity, it can begin now and that might be imperfect because, you know, this side of heaven um, we sin and we're marked by our concupiscence, that inclination towards sin. Um but that's what we're called to and that's on offer for us. Whereas I think in our day-to-day life, sometimes that view of eternity, that vision of eternity, obviously it gets kind of clouded and we can sometimes forget. And um, so sometimes, you know, our our aim of the day is just to get through, you know, just to make it through our, our day of work 
or we get kind of caught up um, in our in our um, attachments to the things of the world and maybe the thing that stressed us out most on a particular day was that we couldn't find anything to wear or that, you know, we were dissatisfied with our makeup or, um, you know, with the way that we looked and, um, yeah, or we felt like we are a failure in the workplace or a failure as a mother or, you know, maybe we're single but would dearly, dearly love to be in a relationship and so that that's really kind of cutting us to the core of who we are. And I guess when that happens, I suppose that's um, it's very normal, first of all, like that's a very human thing to happen. Um, but I guess really when we find ourselves in those things, it's just an indicator that um, we have attached ourselves to the things of the world. And it's an opportunity then to just re-look at, well, actually as Christians, the joy that we have is this much bigger vision, that our vision can be much bigger than what we eat, what we wear, um, you know, what the future is going to hold, that we can set our eyes on eternity and we can really place that identity we have in Jesus. And so we don't need to please the world. We need to please the Lord. And so, and that's in any kind of vocation, like that's kind of the, the, the underpinning of every vocation and every vocation um, is, you know, is made better and more fruitful and more beautiful if we can place that identity in Jesus. And I think that's helpful, particularly for women who are single, that if you can develop a really intimate relationship where you know that Jesus is with you every moment of the day, that's a beautiful basis on which to live single life. If you're married, it means that you're not looking to your husband to fulfill you, that you have a relationship still with Jesus and where you can turn to him first. And um, that obviously marriage has a particular call, it's sacramental, and so that your spouse is supposed to image Jesus to you. Um, But I also think that there's just something beautiful about um, maintaining a really strong relationship with, with the Lord and knowing that at the end of time, there are no husbands and wives in heaven that we're just united with the Holy Trinity. And I guess that's what consecrated life is um, said to be an image. It's an image of the eschaton, an image of the end times where we don't need earthly husbands and wives. They're a sign of heaven. They're an icon of heaven, if you like. Whereas consecrated life kind of professes, well, that's where we're heading and you can have that same fulfilment here on earth, that it is possible, um, you know, um, as much as we can this side of heaven to build a, a, a an exclusive relationship just with the Lord and that his love is enough, um, that our identity in Jesus is all we need because ultimately we're not made for this earth, we're made for heaven. And I think that, yeah, the Christian life is probably about coming back to that regularly and when we feel ourselves caught and trapped by the things of the world or place our identity in other things, I think it's just a reminder to come back to, well, my identity is in Jesus. My home is in heaven. My home is with, you know, in unity with the Holy Trinity. And um, and it kind of makes everything else sort of pale into, um, into the background. Um, difficult, really difficult to do, and especially when in situations of suffering or financial um, hardship or the things that we face can be really difficult. But I think that as much as we can to nurture that really strong connection with the Lord, to nurture that really, um, that strong sense of, no, he is all I need. 
um, I think it, it it holds us in good stead for every situation we face and for any state of life that we might find ourselves in. Thank you. That was that was beautiful. I think that really um, captured the essence of um, like struggling with identity and how we should redirect that um, towards our relationship with God. Um, I think. You know, um, femininity, there are a lot of, like, um, virtues that are associated to femininity. How can one grow in those? Um, You mentioned prayer before, but how can you grow, I guess, in very practical ways of living out that femininity to those who we might meet and encounter? Yeah, that's great. So how can we um, really celebrate and how can we really live that best? And I guess um, I would say the answer to that question is just through through prayer and through discernment that of sort of saying, well, Lord, who are you calling me to be? How are you calling me to speak into this situation? But also to go with those innate kind of um, what the Lord has given us innately and I think something that I rest upon is um, JP2's um, uh, he calls it the feminine genius and he says that there's I think he took it from Edith Stein actually it was a work of of the two of them somehow Um, but that there's um, we we are naturally maternal like that we have a maternal kind of instinct um, that we have a sensitivity you know we notice the emotions of others Um, And I think that that's a real gift and blessing um, that we are receptive, that we've got this um, openness to receive um, the human person and that we also have a generosity, that there's something in us um, that wants to bubble over in in giving life to others and in giving to others. And obviously, um, you know, like men have got these kind of qualities as well. It's not to say men aren't generous, men aren't sensitive, but it's just something that JP too, and I think it's from Edith Stein, like I said before, noticed, you know, in, in the makeup of women. So I think it's good to lean to lean into those um, kind of qualities, but also just to look at what's innate in me. Like when do I most come alive? Like I remember there's I've got this very clear image of one day, um, I was only a teenage girl. Um, I'm sure it was probably like some hormones were kind of like going in me, like good hormones kind of in a way. And I just remember my brother was, um, it was one of the first times I'd ever kind of done this. I've got an older brother and I just really wanted to like serve him. Like I was like, hey, can I make you lunch? And he was like, yeah, sure, like go for it. But I just remember like that there was this really, like this real urge within me to really serve and be generous to him and I feel like that that kind of that sort of feeling um we need to pay attention to that like when we when our hearts go out to somebody or when we feel really inspired like that often that's from the Holy Spirit and often it can be as females that the, that it's um, also kind of combining with our um, with our makeup, like with our emotions. That at certain times, kind of in our in our cycle, there will be this overwhelming urge to um, to create and to love and to be in connection um, with people. And I think like go for it, you know. Like there's these happy hormones that are with us at certain times. Um, where you know we really can delight in other people and where we've got joy and where we've got kind of energy and and a real creativity like there's some really beautiful qualities I think in women um yeah and I think also if we're going to struggle with the other side of that you know at different times of the month 
where we will feel a bit crabby or we will feel like, oh, get away from me kind of thing, disconnect. Like I think we will often talk about that, that moody kindness of women. Um, but let's talk about the other side as well, that, you know, at different times we're just made to connect with people and that we're made to really love and serve those around us. Um, so I think just that, yeah, that awareness is really useful. Um, I th- also think that women do really well when we can just honour like the gift that's been given to us personally, like we are great at comparing. And I think that that doesn't always serve us well because um, what God's given to someone else, he hasn't given to me. And I think that there's something really beautiful about celebrating the giftedness of other women um, but also celebrating the giftedness of, of ourselves. Um, you know, like I, I can be a bit of a boss lady sometimes. Um, whenever I do like personality tests, I always get the like, yeah, I, I'm like an Enneagram 3, which is like the achiever or like Myers-Briggs, I'm like the ENTJ, which is called like the commander. And so sometimes that that can affect me of being like, oh, like I'm a bit of a, you know, a bit hard with people maybe. Um, But also there's heaps of energy that comes with that. Like you said, you know, like I can put my mind to big projects and I can really lead people. um, And it's good for me to be aware of like where there might be a harshness or a drivenness that kind of sets in. That's for my own discernment. But I can really celebrate. Well, I'm someone who gets things done. You know, I'm someone that can put action behind words. Whereas for other people, I can really celebrate their empathy, you know, that they can't walk past someone who's really struggling so I feel like for each of us, it's about um, really discerning, getting to know ourselves and then really rejoicing in the gift that God's given us um, and that there will be particular themes, there will be particular um, similarities for us as women, but there will also be differences. And I think it's it's okay to rejoice in that uniqueness that God has given us um, and to talk ourselves up as women, you know, to celebrate what, what we've been given and... Um, you know, to celebrate like the strength of women and this the the achievements and the amazing things that we see the women in our lives doing. So I think that all really helps to, um, yeah, to to be the best women that we can be. That's a beautiful like celebration. I think of um, womanhood and femininity all sort of compiled together, and I think it's just so easy for us as women to fixate on. Um, you know, the negatives or what isn't there, um, what can't we do um, instead of orienting ourselves into what can we do and what are our gifts that God has so generously given us. Um, And then, like you said, aligning ourselves with how does God see us as his daughters. Um, And then, like, you know, overflowing with joy in our service of others as the ultimate expression of our femininity. Um, In discernment with um, the different vocations that we're called to, how do you encourage people, um, like women perhaps who are in blessed state, state of blessed singleness at the moment, um, and all those who are dating, um, all those who are discerning um, a religious life, what sort of words of wisdom would you offer them? Yeah, I think that um, those are obviously you're talking about women that haven't made a kind of a final commitment, like they're not married or not in sort of perpetual vows or, you know, not kind of in or, you know, have decided that their state of singleness is kind of a permanent kind of thing. So I suppose for women um, in that 
kind of, um, yeah, still to come to their permanent state of life. I think I'd just kind of em- emphasise what we've been speaking about, which is to make prayer and relationship with Jesus like the real bedrock of your life. Um, I also think too that there's something about really enjoying the present moment as well, and especially for women who are single, um, that it actually can be a temptation and it actually can be a um like a trick of the evil one, I think, to taunt you with what you're not, with what you haven't got. Um, but I actually think that there's something great and it's this is sort of a very Marian thing too about having a real heart of praise for the gifts of God. And um, I think my encouragement in that, I read a great book at one point called um, A Thousand Gifts, might have been called One Thousand Gifts by um, Anne Voskamp. And she really celebrated the daily blessings of every day. And that really helps us to um, create a heart of praise and thanksgiving. So I think that's really helpful, especially for people who are struggling with their current state of life, that, you know, you should be able to go outside and enjoy the sunshine and enjoy, you know, your friend's company. And God is blessing each and every one of us with amazing things every day. We just need the eyes to see that. So I feel like that gratitude, that practice of gratitude, um, praise and thanksgiving is really important as well um, when we're on that discernment journey. Um, And I think with our prayer life, I suppose having fostering a heart of real openness to God, but also maybe with others so that where you might have a spiritual director or mentor, you might have um, a religious order that you're journeying with. If you're discerning them, you might be wanting to hang out with married couples. I think like having a real open and honest heart um, is good. They say that it's a really good practice to um, bring um, things into the light, you know, so that you um, can kind of open up to that and and also get a really honest look at the states of life. Like I think a lot of people don't just look at someone's wedding photos if you're thinking of getting married, but actually go to couples who have been married for two, five, 10, 20 years and ask them all about their experiences of marriage, like get a sense of the reality that you're living, you're going to be moving in. And I suppose as a disciple of Jesus, one of the best things for me is being in a sharing group because all I, I discerned my vocation within the MGLs for nine years. And that whole time I was in a sharing group with women of all different states of life and particularly married women. And so I could hear about their relationships with their husbands. I could hear about what it's like to raise children of all different ages Um, And it gave me a a real insight into the blessings, but also those sacrifices of each state of life. And the same thing with Consecrated Life. Don't just look on the website at all the pretty pictures of these holy women, but actually go and and experience and and live with them as well. And so in that way to kind of get a real down-to-earth picture of, of the vocation that you're moving into and also to take your discernment really seriously like it's okay to break up an engagement it's okay to um, be in consecrated life or um, if men are listening to this or you know men um, you know for them to leave you know a month before sort of ordination or whatever that actually shows great discernment it shows great discernment that you're not locked in that until that sacrament is bestowed upon you or until you say those words of profession um, that it's okay you're, you're on a discernment journey and um, and that there's nothing lost by dating someone there's nothing lost by entering religious life but just don't ever get closed to the voice of the spirit don't ever think just because I've joined or just because I'm in a relationship with someone that I close off to the voice of the spirit if there's like a little niggle there um, you know we need to stay really open and really um, docile to the holy spirit um, 
And even if we know that our pride doesn't want to do that, our pride is telling us, oh, I couldn't possibly face these people and say, oh, I've got to leave, you know, um, that's, yeah, that's not as important as um, living the life that God really wants you to as well. So, yeah, so that would be some of my kind of tips for, um, yeah, for discernment is, um, yeah, sort of that prayer as the bedrock um, being really docile to the spirit, seeking out the reality of what each of the states of life is. Um, yeah, all of those sorts of things that I've mentioned and enjoy the present. That was my other one as well. Just enjoy the present because, um, yeah, God is blessing you today with great things. We just need the eyes to see that. I love that. I think like living in the present is such an underrated thing and um, ensuring that you are like enjoying the small things and um, those experiences that can easily just pass you by, you know, like the birds chirping and the beautiful sunshine Um, and even the mundane things like just eating a beautiful meal um, is there's just so much power in recognizing that and the wonders of creation around you that God has created for you to enjoy. Thank you so much for um, exploring this topic with me. Um, Obviously, I'm sure there's a lot more that could be said. Um, Do you have any final thoughts, any anything you would like to leave our listeners pondering yeah like I guess Therese just in that last point what we're talking about is that this present moment like I just think there's something incredible about today you know taking steps or being um attentive to the person that God is calling you to be in the here and now like often walk with a lot of young women who might be struggling with situations of chastity in their single life or, you know, might be struggling with obedience or might be struggling to hear the voice of God. Like any of that um, de- uh, sort of personal development, any of that that um, strengthening of character, any of that building of virtue that you can do before you come into your state of life is ultimately going to help your state of life. So I guess that's the time of singleness as well is a time for increasing in virtue and that there's that, that will always um, you know benefit you in 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 this no matter what kind of state of life that you um, are able to choose. Um, yeah, and I guess the other thing too is just to not be scared like um, of of whichever state of life the Lord's calling you to. Like I think that when I felt called to MGL Sisters or I just felt called actually in the first place to, to consecrate life, to know that I was to leave behind marriage, leave behind family, like that's quite daunting I think to do that. Um, but I just kind of... Um, I just kind of knew that that call to be a bride of Christ here on earth, like each one of us is is called inevitably to be in union with the Holy Trinity in a way that is spousal, that will be joined in a spousal relationship with Christ at the end of time. I kind of felt like, well, to do that here on earth, um, there's just something really beautiful, you know, to know that Jesus um, is the, my only love and that he's um, my only joy. That um, yeah, I think that it's great for young women out there to know that, that the Lord really can can satisfy you, um, that he does want to show his love to you in that way that for some young women listening to this, he is calling you to be his bride, that he is calling you to live just for him alone and that he can satisfy you 
um, even more so than an, an earthly husband. You know, if that's your state of life, if that's what he's calling you to, um, then his love is like that. And equally for those women that are called to marriage, um, you know, sometimes in our society today, marriage doesn't get a great kind of press and we look at marriages that break down potentially. Um, but I just know that for for women who enter that sacrament and particularly where their husband is really trying to model himself on the life of Jesus, um, that there's, there's so much fulfilment and um, there is so much joy in choosing in that state of life and um, that the Lord really wants to bless us through um, some of us, yeah, through a husband and and um, that gift of bearing forth children. So I think we're so lucky as Christians to um, to be grounded in our identity in Jesus, for that to be the bedrock, that to be the foundation upon which we base our whole life. Um, and from that place, then we can yeah do a really great discernment in openness and in honesty and in obedience to whatever the Lord is calling us um, to do with our lives, wherever he's calling us to go. And the woman that he wants us to be here on earth, I think um, we can make some really great decisions knowing that our identity is firmly planted in him. Thank you so much, Sister Berna. Um, I'm sure you've really inspired a lot of young women um, and old women alike listening to um, this podcast. And um, I'm sure people will take the wonderful tidbits of wisdom that you have offered them. Um, if we could just end in a prayer, that would be wonderful. Yeah, sure thing. All right, so in the name of Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Lord Jesus, we just give you this time and we just give you each person that's listened to this and we just pray that whatever way, in whatever way you've um, touched our hearts through this conversation between myself and Therese, we just really pray that um, you would nurture that, that if your spirit has prompted us, that we would be faithful to following through on those promptings that where your spirits encouraged us, we um, would really nurture that encouragement where your spirit has um, challenged us. We just really pray that we could be open to that challenge. And particularly, we just pray a spirit of peace over each one listening to this podcast. We pray a spirit of joy and a spirit of hope, a spirit of encouragement over each one and a deep spirit of trust in you. So we place each woman listening to this podcast into your hands, Lord, and we just really pray for um, your blessing, for your providence over each one. We just really thank you that you care for each one of us, Lord, that you love us with a love that no other can give, that you love us with a love that surpasses human understanding. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And we just recommit each of our lives into your hands um, that we could be really faithful disciples of you, Lord. And we make all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Berna. Um, that was just so um, enlivening to hear. Like on my end, so I've been really blessed by this experience and I can learn so much um, just through yeah conversations with yourself and um, yeah, yeah, developing my own femininity um, in response to um, the wisdom that you've shared. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Trace. It's been a real privilege. Thank you.
well, um, I guess this is the time to sign off um, for the podcast. So um, to all the listeners, thank you so much uh, for tuning in this week. Um, And definitely stay tuned for future episodes. Um, And with that being said, God bless. And let God do the rest. Stay tuned.